0: This is the Australian Surrogacy Podcast. My name is Sarah Jefford and I'm a surrogate and a surrogacy lawyer. This is episode 100 of the podcast and I just want to take to take a moment to thank everyone that has contributed to the podcast either by being an interviewee, which I'm so grateful for, or listening along to the podcast and giving me feedback and uh, reflecting to me just how important it has become as a resource for the surrogacy community for intended parents and surrogates who are at all stages of their journey, whether it's right at the beginning or right at the end. Thank you for being part of the surrogacy uh, podcast. I feel like while people refer to it as being Sarah Jeffords podcast, it really is um, a community podcast that belongs to everyone. Episode 100 is, as you will hear, uh, a, an interview with myself and my intended parents, Mike and Nate we are heading for the three-year anniversary and birthday for their daughter Darcy and so we thought we'd sit down and have a chat about the last three years given that the very beginning of the podcast was um, discussions with them about their experiences and my experiences as as being their surrogate. So we sat down to talk about the last three years and where they're up to now and how everything's been and the highs and lows of being a surrogate and intended parents. So I'm going to hand over now to me, Mike and Nate. We are celebrating 100 episodes of the podcast, and so Mike, Nate, and I decided that we would do a bit of a retrospective given that what well, episode one was me and episode two was Mike and Nate. So we thought we'd have a chat about what it's been like for the last two and a half years, a bit of a sort of retrospective of our surrogacy journey and then talking about surrogacy generally and their experiences of parenthood post-surrogacy and as two dads living in Australia. So how about we go all the way back? Can you tell me what it was like in those first few weeks around the birth and then after the birth, taking a baby home.
1: Gosh, it's it's been such a a whirlwind and I think um, trying to revisit it sometimes, it seems such a a blur of of what happened. Obviously, the the, the birth itself was such an incredible experience to be witness to and it was such a privilege and it was almost not a possibility given the hospital's uh, Policy around not having more than one support person for the surrogate, but we were very lucky that we were able to all be there, uh, including Troy. So um, we were able to be part of such a, a brilliant experience. And for Darcy, I think there was about twelve people in the room, and the the surgeon and the anaesthetist, and pretty much every single person in that room, aside from one, was was a woman. And I think it was so amazing to have Darcy be within that when she was brought into the world. So for us, it was a really emotional experience to be part of and a real privilege to share that with with Sarah uh, and Troy. And
2: Yeah, I I can't imagine not being in that room. Like, it was such a magical moment of my life. Like, you know, I can't imagine not being in that room, being part of the birth. Like, it was very, very special.
1: Everything aligned for us, and we're very aware that a lot of other surrogacy arrangements don't have that um, sort of um, option or a, a ability to be in, in that situation. But we were very lucky that we, we were able to do that. And we were, we sort of took, um, we were in the adjacent room and we had Darcy um, pretty much straight from birth after the initial sort of feed and and cuddle with, with Sarah. And it was just such a, a heady experience to realise that you're now parents uh, and The thing that stayed with me was the smell of this incredible newborn um, and the little sort of sound she would make and uh, would wake up, you know, this all happened at two o'clock in the morning, so we all sort of um, crashed out a bit. But it was just, it was such a lovely experience to be able to get to know her and realise that we had
0: a bigger family. Oh, you're gonna yeah, cry no, again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's and what these podcast time. episodes are about. It's getting Mike <laughs> to cry. <laughs>
2: yeah. All of a sudden, it goes from just being the two of you, and then there's this little squeaky voice in the background. You know, it's me too. So it's like it's that third person that you know is part of your life now.
1: Yeah, yeah. And was always new that would have you know uh, Sarah and, and Troy and the boys as part of our family and just it all exploded it was sort of at, at the same time. and It was just such an incredible feeling and we felt such support through it. Even though no-one can prepare you for being parents, having that support network from day one was just incredible.
0: Do you think, given that neither of you gave birth and didn't have a pregnant woman living in your household, that there was anything that kind of blindsided you in terms of becoming parents? Did you feel like you were as prepared as you would be if one of you had actually been carrying the bub?
2: Um, I think the, one of the... the the, yeah, the difficult things, I guess, was going through, or, you know, not having that person in the house that was pregnant and then all of a sudden having his family, although it wasn't all of a sudden, we knew it was happening, obviously, but you're not having that daily kind of, you know, all all the things that happen with the pregnancy. Um, And also, I guess that once Darcy arrived, it was like, you know, connecting with her, I guess, because you don't have that connection as, you know, as you do carrying a baby, that um, it's then, you know, discovering this new little person and personality. Um, So I guess that was, that was, uh, you know, just exploring that was
1: different than what I had expected. But yeah. And we've heard that from a few of our friends who are in heterosexual relationships where the, 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 new dad to be all of a sudden becomes real because as, as much as they can support their partner, as she's pregnant and going through the pregnancy for them, it's sort of this, um, they're not sort of right in it. If, if, if that's what they're on the periphery a little bit. Um, mm. So it's kind of the same sort of thing for us where Darcy was born. It's like, okay, now your parents. And then the thing that blindsided me was the fact that there were the four o'clock in the morning, um, thoughts in your head about all the things that will go wrong and, you know, what, what's all the dangers and has she stopped breathing? Would it go sneak in and check on her? And I wake her up because I think she hasn't been breathing, but she has. And it's those sort of crazy moments you have as a new parent that, you know, you hear people talk about it, but when you're in the middle of it, it's, um, it's, it's amazing. And, you know, it's, I think there's a reason why it becomes a, a hazy blur because you just sort of go into that survival mode Um and for us, as I said before, we had the support, but we also had more than two of us in that bubble, um, with, along with Darcy. So um, you know, we had you know uh, regular visits with with um, with Sarah and Troy, and it was it was such a it's such a new thing to get used to. So always having that communication and, and working things out, and um, yeah, I think it was it was amazing.
0: Um, I actually find it really interesting what you said there about the sort of like the 4am thoughts because uh, I had lots of questions about how it felt to give away the baby and did I feel like I was like I'd bonded with the baby and I certainly felt bonded to her but not in a parental role I felt like that was your job and there was that experience where I think she needed to be fed and she was getting upset and I saw it as um, perhaps something I could give her a cuddle for but didn't see it as my role to be her parent. That was very much your role to kind of lose the plot and get anxious about the fact that she wasn't being fed. It wasn't my job. I didn't feel that sort of anxiety that I might have if I'd seen her as my child. And I find that really interesting because if we talk about whether or not, you know, two dads can raise a baby, you're not really any different from any man who hasn't given birth who's also able to bond with their child and care for it and provide nurture to the child. So, yeah, I find that that's really interesting. Did you feel like being gay dads was, did it make it harder to kind of accept yourself as a parent? Uh, It's
2: I think in the early days, possibly, I think as time's gone on definitely have sort of fallen, you know, into a bit more of a, you know, routine and you kind of forget sometimes that you if that's even a thing like you know it's just uh but early on I remember thinking oh what's everyone else thinking of me or what are people like looking at us down the street like that was very much um in the early days probably in the first year really like just um you know just being super conscious you know suddenly you're walking down the street pushing a pram like it's it's and you and I'm sure every dad goes through that as well in terms of like it's change, change of life, you know, so um, feeling self-conscious about that. And then wondering on top of that, you know, are people talking about us or what, or, you know, are we, if, if we're capable of doing it and I know
1: we're very capable of doing it, but it's, <laughs> well, it turns out you no know. one was actually thinking that cause no one really cares. <laughs> Everyone's so focused on their own things. The thing was pretty funny was that, you know, one of us would be out with Darcy um taking her somewhere and invariably someone would say well it's mum's day off or um (laughs) whatever that comment is and you have that split second and i know sarah you've said this before with people asking about the pregnancy you go can i be bothered actually telling them what the situation is or do i not so sometimes i would say oh actually she's got two dads um or other times i just go yeah that's that's nice thanks yeah (laughs) and off i go so i mean
2: that even happens now like you know the other day, I was walking down the street with Darcy and she had, you know, some nice braids in her hair and somebody said to me, oh, Mum had fun this morning and I was like, that was actually me. I did those braids. (laughs) (laughs) I'm taking credit for that.
0: (laughs) Well, and remembering that um, straight dads also probably have that same sort of issue that they... I know that my husband was stopped in Bunnings to ask about, you know, you must be babysitting the kids or giving Mum some time off. I mean, that's ridiculous, but it's perhaps less to do with a gay couple or having two dads and more to do with just how we perceive men as parents. Yeah. Generally. Yeah. And a lot
1: of it's to do with their own personal experience. They're probably yeah. thinking my, my husband doesn't do that. So I find this a bit foreign really. So we mm-hmm. just go, it's, it's not, there's been no, there's going to be no outward negativity towards it. It's just someone with my, you know, might say something, go, well, that's actually not quite right, but it's been a really supportive environment. And I think, you know, had we done this 15 or 20 years ago, it'd be a different story. But as, as Nate was saying, when we're pushing it down the street, initially we're thinking, oh, what are people going to think? But then you see the other dads pushing, you know, prams around and being really involved. And I think from a generational perspective, I wasn't used to that with my dad. So it's a really lovely thing to see um, men being actually active parents. It's, mm-hmm. a, really, it's a really good thing to see.
0: Where did you get the most support from in terms of um, learning about how to be a parent and debriefing with other people?
1: You? As you're laughing at us. <laughs> I,
0: I did enjoy, yes. In fact, I, think, I don't think we spoke about this on the original podcast episode, but the poo explosion that Nate had to deal with was really a highlight of my life. <laughs>
1: oh, my God. four of life. Yeah.
2: Oh, my gosh. Hilarious. Are <laughs> we
0: telling this story? Tell it in the last one. Uh, well, um, I can't remember. Um, so was there anyone else? Like, did, You were signed up to what we would normally call a mother's group. Um, did they call it mother's group when you guys turned up? Uh, it,
2: Locally, I everything it was just a parent, but it was, yeah, parent, parent group. group. But um, we didn't really connect with anyone really there. It was very...
1: Uh, very diverse group and the facilitator was not engaged and she said look you guys just talk amongst yourselves we've got some admin work to do there was 15 people there we didn't really have a strong connection we wouldn't provide any support and we've stayed in contact with one person um amazing yeah and she's just had
2: had her second baby
1: yeah um but we we hear about other parents that have a really close support network through the parent group and they, they have regular catch-ups and part of us thinks, well, it's a bit sad that we don't have that. But then I think in terms of with our business and our lifestyle, we're not, we don't have a lot of socializing time as well. So we've kind of been doing our own thing and catching up with, with people when we can. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: but yeah, it's, we just didn't really have a good experience with the parent group and it wasn't because we were two dads. It was just, we did not It wasn't run very well.
0: Mm. Um, have you had any support from other gay dads? Uh, we chat with
2: Ma- uh, Mike and Glenn, yeah. Um, You know, we'll catch up with them from time to time, although it's been really difficult with like, you know, COVID and stuff with catching up with them. Um, but yeah, we used to, you know, caught up at Chadston and like going to a few different parks and stuff like that, and they've come over here and stuff. So that's been nice to have that connection. Um, and, and for the kids to have a bit of a play, because um, I think especially when Darcy gets a bit older, it's good to have, you know, some other people around and in the same situation as her to have that, um, you know, some of the similar background, so that that's just not all um, when she goes to school, m- majority, you know, hetero parents.
0: Mm. And I think... <laughs> A lot of the, we, we talk a lot about how so many kids these days are conceived through IVF, but also through donor conception. So talking about it and um, sort of showing these kids that being born through surrogacy or donor conception or with two dads or two mums or the whole sort of rainbow of families is really important because when they do get to school, they need to know that they're actually not that different from everyone else and making it normalised and out there and seen, I think is really important. Talk about the fourth trimester, which was like that three months after the birth. I think initially we saw each other almost every day because we were doing like milk deliveries and catch-ups and that sort of stuff. And then it kind of stretched out a bit. I think it was like maybe once a week and then it became like once a fortnight. And these days, I think maybe once a month when it's not COVID. What was that fourth trimester like in terms of your relationship with me and Troy and my kids? Um, And how did you see that relationship between yourselves and Darcy and us? It might be the strangest question given you now need to tell me what you think of my relationship with you. <laughs> Let's see how well you articulate your answer.
1: <laughs> I think, um, as we are sort of mentioning before, you, you go into a bit of survival mode, making sure you know how to be uh, good parents to your child. And a lot of that is sort of hunkering down and, and doing the work and you get into a bit of a routine. Um, yeah, I think the first three months, are, well, for me,
2: like, it's such a blur now. I can't even remember, like, it's that,
1: you know, things that happened. <laughs> um, it, it's that balance of of making sure that you're having time to be able to do, work out what you're doing as a parent. But this is a unique situation that your family has grown and that there is a surrogate um, and her family that that's part of your family as well. So we were very... Um, aware of, of trying to be supportive to to you and to Troy and the boys to make sure that you had that time to connect as well. Um, there were times where we sort of dropped the ball a bit because it was just everything was on top of us. Um, and I think... Plus getting a puppy at the vet <laughs> didn't help. <laughs> Let's face it. We,
0: we could talk about how smart it was to buy a puppy a month before I gave you a baby. <laughs>
1: They are as thick as these now, but I think, um, you know, we, we, we didn't want to go through this and, and have it as a, you know, so on and things like we were, we were trying to be really supportive and make sure that we had that ongoing relationship. But at times it would be, you would have no sleep. You would be trying to like keep your business afloat and you know, your relationship going as well. So I think, Often it was the, the first thing that would drop is is the connections with outside people um, I mean we didn't see our friends for for months, so it was having to um, to, to balance everything uh, and sometimes that was that was really hard and we were very aware of that and we had some honest conversations and I think that's the most important thing through this whole experience is that no matter how ridiculous things might seem in your head that you always talk to your surrogate about Things all the way through the journey, because I think my my thing is I, I hate conflict, but I also sometimes think I'm being ridiculous about things. I won't say anything, and I think you need to, to keep that dialogue. But he, going. he does that in the
2: relationship as well. So. Yeah,
1: it's very English of me. It's like everything's fine. Let's have a cup of tea. Um, and I'm like, no, we need to talk about this. <laughs> um, so it was it was a challenge because I think. Other like heterosexual couples do have that ability to be able to sort of shut out the whole world. But we were trying to, to manage everything and to make sure we were providing support. And I think we did everything poorly for a while as we were trying to find our feet.
0: And I think most parents would probably say that, but also intended parents... I would expect wouldn't maybe um, identify with that needing to sort of manage their new lives as parents, as well as manage their relationship with their surrogate and make sure that that's sort of nurtured and supported. And that's a huge, huge challenge for everyone involved. I remember talking to Katrina Hale quite a bit about um, what we might have called the push-pull between surrogate and intended parents, particularly in the fourth trimester, where the surrogate feels like she that she has a fear that she might be abandoned now that she's handed over the baby. And the intended parents still perhaps fear that she might come and take the baby. So as she, the surrogate may, Uh, spend more time trying to connect with the intended parents to make sure they don't abandon her. The intended parents are trying to pull away a bit because they're worried that she's going to take the baby. So that can cause some tension there that I think other intended parents and surrogates might um, identify with to go, yeah, I know that feeling. Um, Because I know I was like, hey, guys, I want to spend heaps of time with you. And when you were like, hey, I'm a bit busy, I took that to mean they don't want to see me anymore. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Our challenge was the fact that, you know, with with Sarah being uh, our surrogate and also an amazing lawyer, we had to navigate a new system um, where we had to go through a new process for the parentage order to take place um, because we were doing the traditional surrogacy. And that didn't actually happen until Darcy was about, I think, eight months old. And we kept going back and forth with the courts. Our thing was never about Sarah coming to take the baby, it was about the fact that if something happened to Darcy and we went to the hospital, we weren't her parents on her birth certificate. So that was the panic I had was that if something had happened and she went to like intensive care or something and we were not able to be with her. And I think, you know, with those as I said, with the conversations you have in your head at four o'clock in the morning, you think about all the worst possible things that can happen, that was the thing that terrified me. So if something happened to her, we would be shut out and we couldn't we couldn't help her. Um, so that now was we really didn't hard.
0: talk about that I don't think So that, I mean I can totally understand that anxiety But for me it was like this is going to be fine You don't need to worry about me Don't worry about the birth certificate But hearing you say well actually I feel like needing, You need the birth certificate to recognise yourself as a parent So that you don't even have to justify yourself to anyone And it just hadn't really occurred to me That that, was that anxiety was happening um, How did it feel when the birth certificate arrived With both your names on it? Oh, good
1: <laughs> Enormous relief, <laughs>
0: really. But that—that that, again. I mean, it—it it, it was.
2: I mean, it was obviously, a, you know, it's an official document that's, you know, I guess, says that you're now a dad. <laughs> um, but I guess by that stage, all the, that bonding had sort of already happened. Um, you know, so I—I I already felt like a dad, but it was just the officialness of it, I
1: guess. Um, yeah, it was. It was like when we got married. We were married for a couple of years um, through the British Embassy before Victoria first said, we will recognise all international same-sex uh, marriages. And by then I was like, thank God, because if something happened to Nate, I would be without any rights. And was as I said, same thing with Darcy, it's, it's that relief that we had that official recognition throughout the whole of Australia that nothing can come between us uh, and Darcy in terms of her her care and support. Um, so it was never, it was never a problem with, you know, Sarah swooping in and, and taking our child. It was yeah. a, the, the, the <coughs> this nervousness about the state um, or the federal government saying, we don't recognise you. Mm. And I-, I know a lot of other relations, oh, sorry, the arrangements, they don't, they don't need to have that. But it was something we always spoke about early on was that that was something that for us was, was, um, something that we wanted as as part of that process. Um,
2: yeah, I mean, I don't ever remember being fearful of thinking that you would come and take the baby. Like, you know, I that that never sort of really played a huge part in my
0: mind. I think um, I was pretty clear that every time you handed the baby to me for a cuddle, I was like, "Yep, take it back now. <laughs> I don't. Want, <laughs> I don't want. I don't want this. Give it. I. I, yeah. I did this to give it away, not to have it. You return it. <laughs> We, yeah. we did have a few
1: moments where, um, because Sarah's got a really um, dark sense of humour, and she'd like have a bit of ribbing with us. And as tired parents, I'd be like, oh my "God, what did she mean by that?" <laughs> but you could like, "Don't be ridiculous." And I, I guess that's the thing where, if you keep that communication open, you go, oh, I, "I took this as as, as meaning that." You're like, "Okay, you've been an idiot. This is what <laughs> yeah. I meant."
2: Communication is really
1: important. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's pretty funny, and I don't think anyone. Like even now, like two and a half years later, I think you forget what it's like being new parents Um, and that kind of neuroses that you have about everything that's around you. And that's that's me talking. I think Nate was much more relaxed (laughs) than I was. (laughs)
0: Um, Incidentally I came across Darcy's original birth certificate the other day in a folder so that's the one that has me and Troy listed as her birth parents and when that arrived in the mail Troy and I had a joke about oh here's the birth certificate for that daughter that we didn't intend to have and it feels very surreal to see somebody else's child birth certificate with your names on it even though we've clearly had only given birth a few weeks earlier But for me, that birth certificate is just a piece of nostalgia. Like it feels like an important piece of the story, but that's it. That's and if it were had, I know in some states they actually tell people that they should destroy the original birth certificate. I think they should just put it in, a, you know, a plastic sleeve and keep it to show the child one day because that's an important piece of their history. So you can have it when I see you next. I'll um, pass it on for well, Darcy. You've
2: got, we've got um, that beautiful book that you made for us with all the photos in it, which Darcy adores. Like we look at it almost, if not every day, every other day.
1: Um, she now sits down with it. She takes it out of the bookshelf and she sits on a little. Fuzzy chair, and she reads the book, which Sarah did, and it's and, all about her journey. And she points at all the photos, and she goes, "That's Auntie Sarah." And whenever she gets to the hospital
2: bit, she always points at it, and she goes, "Annie, Sarah's sick." <laughs> like, I'm like, no, she's not sick. She's just about she's about to give birth to you.
1: <laughs> and that's that's something we um, we always talked about having a little story for Darcy to read. But um, when we received that uh, on, uh. Was a Christmas her first Christmas, um, just before her birthday. Um, I think
2: no, it was actually on her birthday. It was her mm-hmm. first birthday.
1: Oh, that's right, because it had the invitation for the birthday on it as well. Yeah. Um, it was such a, it was such a great thing to read through. And at the time, you know, Darcy was one; she didn't know what was going on. But now that she's two and a half, it's it's such yeah. an important part.
2: And yeah, it is. And the very last page has got the original birth certificate and the. The parentage new one, so it's got both in there, so that'll be good that'll, yeah. as she grows up she can.
1: And we know. always talked about having the open communication with her right from when she could understand about this is, this is your story, this is how you came to be, um, that we went through a surrogacy process and, um, you know, you were birthed by Aunty Sarah and this is a, an amazing part of, of your story because it was able for us to be to be parents and have a family. I mean, we talk about that stuff
2: with her now. I don't think she really even knows what you know, apart from you know. Um, <laughs> but there'll be about nothing about knowing all of us. Like, I don't think she really puts two and two together yet. But
1: no, but it means nothing will be ever a surprise for her, which is what we wanted. That she doesn't have any shame or any confusion around things. And she asks, que- she will ask more questions as she sort of goes, you know, gets older and, and understands a bit more about it all. Um, but yeah that was probably the best possible gift we could have received oh. for Darcy is her little her little story little journey and it was very special coming from you Sarah thank you
0: um tell me how do you see the relationship between Darcy and my two kids perhaps like in the future let's say 10 years from now when she's nearly 13 good times coming for you <laughs> and my kids will be well, that's right and my kids will be oh, 17 and 20 by then what do you think that relationship will look like for them
1: uh
2: well i hopefully like they have a you know a good friendship um hopefully once we get through covid we can get you know back to some sort of normality of catching up and although i mean she always like we've got a photo of her and raf on the bed on her um bedside table and she's always points to Raff and you know, Darcy at the park um, and, you know, she's she always talks about Raff and Archie anyway, like, you know, so I feel like hopefully as time goes on, she, you know, and they have a chance to be more interactive with each other face-to-face as well, that she you know, they become great friends and um,
1: they'll find their own language for their relationship with each other and sort of how they fit into each other's lives but they will always... Have that connection with each other, which I think is really special, um, and it's it's actually been great because the last few times we caught up before COVID, um, Archie and Raf were more interested in Darcy because she's more interactive. She's talking, she's playing, she's now running around. So the next time they'll catch up, they'll be in the park together. I can see them having being as thick as thieves, even though there's quite a few age, quite a few years between them in age. Um, I just, when you said that about their ages, I can see them all going for a joyride somewhere down to the ice cream shop and she's <laughs> taking them all in. And, you know, I think it'd be a, a really special thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're going to find their own way for what that relationship is, but they will always have that opportunity to, to
0: do yeah. that.
2: I mean, and yeah, I think that's the thing. is just providing those opportunities for them to play and explore and whatever. And then, you know, they will come up with their own language. I don't want to sort of pre-describe that too much in terms of this is how you should feel towards them. (laughs) But, you know, this is, these, these people are in, you know, kids are in her life and, and we'll give her all the information that she needs and, you know, then whatever will be, will be, I guess.
0: I remember um, after Darcy was born, I actually had a lot of confusion about who I was beyond the birth like now that i had given birth what was i to darcy but we also had a bit of confusion around what the kids called each other and in fact raf's kinder teacher said what what are we calling darcy and all i had was darcy that's what we call her i don't know baby darcy that's all we're calling her so, trying to get the kids to all understand their genetic relationship compared to their actual day-to-day relationship. So, they just know each other as Archie, Raff and Darcy. And like you say, at some point, they'll work out whether they call each other something else or just go with names because that's the easiest as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> But also with the the word Auntie Sarah, for example, I didn't want Tummy Mummy, or I don't even like the word surrogate, which probably sounds a bit strange, but I don't like it. Um, but Auntie Sarah is a sort of nicer way for her to know me, and what she knows about me and her relationship with me, I guess, will be determined as we go through life, and you know when she decides what that relationship looks like. Yeah. I liked that. I think eventually I just accepted that I would never have the answer because it would just be an ongoing discussion until Darcy decides one day what she's going to call us or what her relationship is with us. Yeah. Yeah. If you were talking to a couple who were looking at surrogacy in Australia in particular, would you have any advice for them about um, perhaps thinking about the last two or three years, um, anything that you would want to say to that couple that were at the very beginning of the journey?
1: I think we've we've touched on it a few times, but having open communication right from the start and being able to have that um, the com uh, the confidence to be able to say what's on your mind, and you know just because you're feeling something that might seem a little wrong or weird or crazy or whatever it is, you you talk about it, um, and I know you, you have to. Be flexible in in what you're doing as well. So I know we we all had an idea of of um, what we would do after Darcy was born in terms of the the first feed and the colostrum and stuff. And I think we were nervous because like oh what if what if Sarah gets attached and what if there are their problems and you know we got to that moment and it was so natural and so wonderful. We just we just all said this is this is the right thing to do. So. It's been able to talk about things that you worry about uh, all through the process. And that's right from the start all the way through to after birth. And, and this will always be an ongoing thing with us. We always talk about, you know, what our, our what's in our, on our minds about, about Darcy.
2: Yeah. I think it's really important to have all the conversations like, you know, <laughs> at the very outset and kind of have a thought, you know, in your mind of what you want to, you, you want to have, you know, things you want to put in place to make sure that you, your, you know, thoughts and feelings are protected but also everyone else's in the group is is protected as well. But then also having that flexibility to go to talk about things and go, okay, well, how do you feel about this? Or, you know, as things change because, you know, as, you know, when the birth happens, things can feel different. Um, uh, yeah, so just having having all those being as prepared as he can, having all those conversations in the first place, but then also being adaptable and, and flexible throughout the process as well.
0: Uh, could you pick one time in the last couple of years that was the absolute highlight of the surrogacy, but also Darcy, parenting Darcy. It's not the poo explosion occasion, is it, Nate? <laughs> uh, there
2: you go. He's just, just about to cry.
0: And Mike's <laughs> going to cry, Nate.
2: <laughs> it was just, it was just at the birth. The birth was incredible. Like, yeah, as I said before, like, that was such a special moment in, in
1: everything. We make um, Sarah really uncomfortable We me, gosh. <laughs> but that moment, I will f- remember that for the rest of my life.
0: It was pretty special. And I was, yeah. you know, I didn't have to do anything at that point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what's been the most challenging Again, it might be the poo explosion. (laughs) I mean, I'm just going by it You're obsessed with the poo explosion. I love
2: it. Um, I mean, at the moment, it's just the tantrums. The two (laughs) almost tantrums is the hardest part. We just
0: pointed out that this is a child who's genetically from me and (laughs) I was well known for my tantrums at this age. (laughs) Um,
2: That's the challenge. I think at the moment, that's the most challenging thing is like, dealing with the strong personality and um, and I wanted to be strong and um, absolutely and you know forthcoming with the ideas and everything but also want to teach you know to make, making sure we're teaching you how to be kind and how to be a good person <laughs> um, along with that as well as well as
1: you know standing up for self and so that's the challenge <laughs> it, it's so funny because as as parents you are in the immediate and we can look back on things, but if you ask us, like you just have, what the challenge is now or what the challenge has been, or what's the highlight of that challenge, it's, it's what's happening now. And we can look back about, about things and say, oh, well, that was, that was pretty tough, but we got through that. But this will be ongoing the rest of her life and she'll have those stages where, you know, it's about the challenge of um, her not being sort of in a heteronormative sort of family scenario. And then she might get teased at that at school. And then there will be the rebellion when she's a teenager, um, you know, bo- being body positive or whatever it is that we'll have, that's sort of where our focus is. So, yes, it's at the moment now. It's about making sure that she has boundaries, but also the freedom to be expressive. Um, yeah. it's. But the, I, I guess it all pales I mean, into comparison with, with what it's like being a parent. Yeah. And, I mean, the whole COVID thing
2: has been really difficult as well. Like, just in, you know, the last year, just parenting has been difficult as well. Just, you know, finding different ways to keep her entertained when there's, you know, when the playgrounds were closed and, um, you know, being locked in the house all days <laughs> with a two-and-a-half-year-old is, like, you know, difficult.
1: Mm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and she, she's not had swimming or any other activities so it's it's been hard to have her be able to interact and play with other kids so
2: yes. and worrying whether she's getting enough social interaction and you know i'm sure she'll be fine at the end of the day but it's those crazy thoughts that go in your mind but like you know we're just staying in the house all day is she gonna is that gonna be detrimental to her
1: down the track sort of thing so, well we did go to the park every day but we did uh, her yeah. I mean, for us, it was worrying that it was it's the same thing every single day, but we were all going through that, or we are all going through that still. So I, I, what I've said to Nate is we need to give ourselves a bit of that um, permission to be... ..to saying we're, we're doing the best within the environment that we're in at the moment. Mm. Um,
0: and, and if my opinion's worth anything, you're doing fine. You're doing, like you say, everyone's doing their best in lockdown Melbourne. We're doing fine.
1: The thing you need to be as a an, a new IP or someone who's starting this journey at the start is to be, to be honest and to sort of trust your gut. I think because we're on this journey for so many years and we had some sort of failed arrangements and, and things that had happened, you get to the point where you get a little bit desperate. And I think it's being, honest and making sure that you have a good relationship with your surrogate, the same as the surrogate should have a good relationship with you. And I think um, we were so amazingly blessed to have such a great relationship from the start. Um, And, you know, there are going to be things that come up you have to work through, but just having that sort of confidence to say, I I feel this is right and going through with it Um, because at the end of all this, the most important person out of this is is Darcy, is the child, and making sure that she has a really good, um, solid um, relationship with with all the parties involved. And as I said before, every surrogacy relationship is different, but we were always wanting to to have that sort of extended family and that ongoing relationship with our surrogate. We never wanted to do more of the transactional surrogacy, and, and that's not any sort of indictment of what other people are doing. But for us, we always wanted to make sure that Darcy would have that ongoing connection. Um, and I think it's, it's, you know, just having sort of that faith and confidence to, to sort of do the right thing and not sort of gloss over things if they are like a little bit of a blip on your journey that are going to prevent you from having a child.
0: Thank you. I'll see you soon. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't know, I make something else? No, that was perfect. <laughs> that's
0: perfect. you, know, you, you say? Happy 100 podcast episodes. Hooray! Hooray! All right.
1: also wanted to say, Sarah, what you do to support the surrogacy community is amazing. And I know you do it because you're in it and you love it and it's something that really drives you. But having access to information that's correct and it's also written by someone who loves being part of this and such an honest voice i can't thank you enough for everything that you do for the surrogacy community community
0: love you guys i'll pay you later Thank you for listening to the Australian Surrogacy Podcast. If you are looking for more information, you can find it on the blog. Listen to more podcast episodes at sarahjefford.com. You can also find me on Facebook and on Instagram. And if you want to get in touch, you can find me at sarah at